Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to episode number 96 of the Marine Layer podcast. We welcome on Mariners outfielder Taylor Trammell, a conversation about his offseason working out at Driveline, rooming with A.J. Brown in high school, and practicing his bat flips so he can look pretty good in the highlights at the major league level. Also a conversation about what Merrifield and is that idea still realistic for the Mariners at second base? We'll take a look into it. Here's your reminder before we start the show, make sure to download our episodes, leave us a review, and follow the show if you're listening on our audio pods. If you're watching, make sure to like, comment, subscribe over on YouTube where our full video podcast is, and then check us out on social media where we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Tuesday evening, January 23rd. I thought we were past this Whit Merrifield discussion. I thought a lot of things about the Mariners' social media world and fights and debates and takes, but right when you think you're out, they pull you back in. Isn't it funny how we made, how this story came to be? For all those who aren't don't spend all their time online and aren't aware of how Whit Merrifield, formerly Toronto Blue Jays and Kansas City Royals second baseman, now free agent, still out there on the market looking for options at second base or corner outfield, will be 35 actually well, tomorrow. He will be 35 years old. It will be his birthday when this episode comes out. Uh you know, you remember how his name came back up with the Mariners? He went on MLB Network and uttered the phrase, my favorite park to hit in is T-Mobile Park. And it kicked the hornet's nest again. It kicked the hornet's nest again. And here we are. How often do you hear that? People talking about my favorite place to hit is a park where you just cannot hit home runs. I never hear it. Never. They people people say the opposite and they go somewhere else. I do think it's kind of on brand that a hitter with like a seven hundred ish, give or take, OPS for his career decides that that is his favorite place to hit. It's like, hmm. Well, we're the we're the nine hundred OPS guys that want to say that in warm weather ballparks where the baseball flies. It's probably a good idea, or at Coors Field, or just in a place where they're getting paid crazy, crazy amounts of money. And we know the Mariners don't usually give out contracts like that. So one of those three options is usually the correct one. But you know what? It doesn't matter for contact hitters. It was like we said with Luis Arise on Friday that singles play anywhere. And for Whit Merrifield, he said the reason he likes T-Mobile Park so much is because he can see the ball well. And if you can see the ball well and you just hit singles and kind of be a, like a contact hitter like he is, you don't need much else. Let's put this discussion to bed. Is it a good idea for the Mariners to think about signing Whit Merrifield? Because 
it sounds like he'd be open to coming to Seattle. No. I, wow. I don't no 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 just no clarification okay. no nothing just a no okay there should probably be some clarification I do not think that with the Mariners limited payroll they are allocating their funds to the best of their ability by paying 10 or so million dollars to Whit Merrifield a dude who is probably going to be a bench player if he signs somewhere he will probably be a bench guy maybe he'll start a couple times a week Maybe he'll start to get some more regular starts at second base if he's playing well, but that's not a guy you pencil in every day and say, that's our guy. Not at 35 years old, not for a guy that's never, that hasn't WRC plus over a hundred since 2020. That's just not a guy I'm interested in. We've talked about this with this low of a payroll budget. You better use those funds wisely. And if you're going to go out and get more bats, there just has to be somebody that's going to provide more impact than what Maryfield is. MLB trade rumor says two years, $18 million. That comes out to $9 million a season. So right around what Lyle estimated. Here's my take on this. Whit Merrifield should not get signed if your goal for him is to start every day and play second base or corner outfield spot. No shot. No way. He's not a, he's honestly not a, probably depends on the team's need but for for your average contending major league baseball team he's probably not a starter i could be wrong teams might think he's a starter but i don't i certainly don't think he's a he's a starter on the seattle mariners because he just doesn't hit well enough they need hitting plain and simple so that that kind of answers that question but if you want him to have a different role on a team and he doesn't need to be a major offensive contributor in fact all he needs to do is play defense in multiple positions and steal bases then someone might be a little bit more intrigued in that. And I'm trying to think of who that would might be for the Mariners. Lyle, who who plays multiple positions, steals some bases, and just overall tries to be an ultra-utility guy off the bench. Oh, Dylan Moore? Hmm. So this is going to be right along the meme where there's going to be some Mariner fans out there that are saying, well, I kind of want Whit Merrifield. He used to be pretty good. He's he's always been very fast in the 80th percentile or higher in sprint speed for all of his career. He could be a menace on the base paths. He'll give the Mariners an extra dimension. They could throw him all over the field. And then Jerry DePoto comes over to that fan. He sits them down on the park bench, puts his hand on his shoulder and says, you know what, Timmy? We have Whit Merrifield at home. His name's Dylan Moore. And Timmy's all disappointed and looking down at the ground, realizing he'll never get Whit Merrifield. We're not going to the drive-thru. We're going home, and we're going to have some home cooking of Dylan Moore, Lyle. Who doesn't love home cooking? Me, that's some for people. sure. Or not some me, people. I should say. Well, I like home cooking. And I like me some Dylan Moore. Because guess what? Dylan Moore, in case anybody needs a reminder, signed that arbitration extension last year. So he's on that three-year, $9 million deal. He'll make about $3 million in 2024. I'd rather give Dylan Moore $3 million a year than giving Whit Merrifield 10. You know what Dylan Moore does that Whit Merrifield doesn't do? He walks. You know what Dylan Moore does that Whit Merrifield doesn't do? He actually has some power. I know it was a little bit of a down year for Demo last year, but he got hurt, came back late, probably didn't get enough minor league time to ramp up his at-bats. Yeah, give me Dylan Moore over Whit Merrifield. Thanks. I, I, I'm not interested in paying him $10 million, and I'm not interested in a guy that's going to OPS below 700 and have a WRC plus below 100. So I'm going to stick with Demo. Shocker, because I love Demo. Lyle and I are 
aren't guys who are going to just be over the moon if a guy strikes out too much. Because as long as he's being productive, it really doesn't matter how much you're striking out. If you're not being productive and striking out a lot, then that's an issue. Demo struck out 34% of the time last year. Some people might come bang on bang on our doors or AKA go into our comments section and say, hey guys, why would you want a 34% strikeout rate Dylan Moore over a 17% strikeout rate of Wet Merrifield? That's a fair point. Offensive production for Dylan Moore is still better. Because Wet Merrifield, each of the last three full seasons, as you mentioned, hasn't even had a 90 WRC plus. 90. 10% below league average. He's been below that every single season. And there's no reason why Wet Merrifield is going to see that going up. Do you want to hear a stat about Wet Merrifield? And this really encompasses his aging process, which it stinks. Guys get old. It, it sucks. But getting old affects speed guys the most, especially speed guys with not a whole lot of power. Well, even in Whit Merrifield's prime, he was barely breaking double-digit home runs. Uh, and now, despite the fact he has an 81st percentile sweet spot percentage, by the way, sweet spot percentage means any batted ball between 8 degrees and 32 degrees of launch angle, and more likely than not, that will be an extra base hit or a barrel or something like that. Uh, so Whit Merrifield does that among the top 20% of hitters in baseball and still has a quality of contact and expected slugging, an average exit velocity, a barrel percentage, and a hard hit rate fifth percentile or lower. That's that's honestly kind of hard to do. When you have the optimate, optimal batted ball on your bat, it still doesn't go anywhere. And that's not so something we, that just magically comes back unless you eat a balanced breakfast uh, and start de- uh, start playing left field for the San Francisco Giants and stuff happens. So in non-baseball nerd terms, for people that maybe didn't pick up on all the batted ball data from Baseball Savant, the, basic, the most basic way we can put it is Whit Merrifield is squaring up baseballs constantly. He is squaring it up to the ability that Whit Merrifield has. He's squaring up baseballs. And they're still not traveling anywhere. So that's an issue. Because you know what happens if you're squaring up baseballs and they're not going anywhere? When you don't square up baseballs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be even worse. So yeah, for all those reasons, I'm just I'm just not interested in having Whit Merrifield. Use the use the money you have left in your payroll budget to go sign an actual bat who can make some impact. He's and there's a couple other things downtrending with him too. I mean, he was just last two seasons negative nine combined defensive runs save at second, negative seven combined defensive runs saved in the outfield. And I'm talking all three outfield positions combined. OAA has him below average at all three spots. The final two months of the season this past year, where which is where if you're aging, it's really going to show. Uh, Whit Merrifield had a 56 WRC plus in August and a 25 WRC plus in September, September and October. Any team that is going to sit there and want Whit Merrifield to play every single day is going to have to realize these harsh realities that I don't know if Whit can hold up for a full season anymore and his role might be off the bench. But if the Mariners just want a bench bat, as you said, they already have it. Dylan Moore's already on the roster. He's going to do pretty much everything Witt does. He'll still a few less bases. But besides that, it's going to be about the same. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really just going just gonna to pass on this. So I think you and I agree with most of Mariners' Twitter, which is a shock. Does not always happen. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen at all. And in fact, a lot of times Mariners' Twitter disagrees with us. but. I think we're all in unison for this one. At least that's how it sounds. In conclusion, go sign a true impact bat. 
please. All right, let's take a quick pause. Talk to you about our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85. That's Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. We love hanging out there. They've got pool tables. They've got dart boards. They've got a full drink menu. They've got great pizza. And they've got 22 TVs in that place. So you want to go hang out with your friends and watch some games, go there. And if you go during happy hour, guess what? They've got some great specials. Those are happy hours are Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. They include $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 House Wines. So go check that out over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Well, we had a pretty cool talk with Taylor Trammell, didn't we? We did. I, I loved the insight that we got that something I totally forgot in this story was brought back up to us that we will bring up again in the interview. Uh, I mean, Taylor played, he, he spent a considerable amount of time, especially on the road on the perfect game circuit, as a lot of other high profile high school baseball players do uh, with A.J. Brown, like the A.J. Brown, the one you might think of on your fantasy team. Like, it's that one. And there's a pretty fun story between Taylor and AJ, two high school football and baseball players in the South and two guys whose careers went off into the different sports and fun that they had that moment right there. That that was so cool and just kind of representative of how high school athletics are there in the South. They're just so much more of a concentration of elite players down there than there are anywhere else. Certainly can I can speak of that in the Northwest is just not the case. In the Northwest, yeah, no, not at all. I don't think any Mariners fan needs us to tell them what an awesome human being Taylor Trammell is and how outgoing and fun he is. I think you all know that. That being said, if you want to see more of that, that is certainly in this interview. Taylor Trammell is totally on brand, talking with us, outgoing, fun, sharing cool stories, everything. Like, just another really awesome conversation that we were fortunate enough to have. All right. Let's not delay any longer. Let's get you to our conversation with Mariners outfielder, Taylor Trammell. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. All right, we welcome on Mariners outfielder Taylor Trammell. Taylor, I've got to start with this. Does it ever get normal spending an offseason walking around a baseball facility, standing in your underwear with a bunch of sensors attached to you? <laughs> nah, nah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's kind of odd, uh, but for the most part, it's, it's, you just kind of get used to it. And yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> So was it it was probably weirder though when you did it for the first time because this is your second off season working at driveline the first one did they stick a camera in your face that off season two and twenty after the twenty two season yeah they did yeah so I mean it's a little difficult well, not difficult it's just weird but at the same time it's it's kind of cool because like it's a very comfortable environment so like I mean I don't have to worry about feeling awkward or anything like that but I mean, there is a little awkwardness when you are in your uh, underwear, so it is kind of odd. <laughs> What's it like to have all those sensors on your body? It's weird. It's weird. Uh, they spray on this uh, kind of like glue stuff, 
and uh it's very cold so like there's like certain places where i really don't like it so like my ribs i can't stand it and then like on the back part of like my scap it's just a not it's like i don't know like some freeze stuff it feels like it's cold so i don't like it and then after that, they're like, hey, Taylor, can you give us your best swing possible? And you're looking around <laughs> like, well, this yeah. is, you guys made it as hard as possible. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, is yeah. But I do good. So I guess it's uh, I guess it works a little bit. Does it make it a little easier considering I'm sure there's other people around you having to do the exact same thing? The kind of feeling of like, oh, well, we're all in this together. Yeah. So I saw a few of my a uh, few of my buddies. um you know, I see their videos and stuff like that. Um, I can, it's kind of cool because I'm like, I'm not the only person. So it makes me feel a lot better. So we did mention this is your second off season going to driveline. What, what are the things that when you were first interested in going to driveline to work out, what were the things you wanted to check off to, to try and improve on in the off season? Was there anything in particular? Yeah. You know, I, uh, one of my main, biggest things is just becoming a, a more of a complete hitter. Uh, you know, there's uh, always this kind of like, uh, you know, mindset as a player. Uh, you always want to kind of just continue to improve and improve. And, uh, you know, a few a uh, few people that I've known have uh, gone there. So, um, you know, I just really wanted to grow. Uh, that was the biggest thing. And then uh, just improve on kind of like bat-to-ball skills, uh, improve on just a lot of other things. Um, so, for me, that was kind of like my biggest thing is just uh, having another uh, – Oh, sorry. Uh, having another um, uh, just kind of like avenue for me to just grow. So that was the biggest thing. Were you always open to the stuff they were trying to teach you right away? Or did it take a little bit of time to get acclimated? Because I know driveline, it's so different with the stuff that they do, even though it works really well. I know it's very, very unique. Yeah. So uh, for me, like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to throw out really any names, but when I first got there, there were some guys that you know, are, you know, pretty big, you know, major league players that were there that were working to get, uh, working out there. And I saw their work and I uh, kind of saw the things that they were doing. And I was just like, I don't know if this might work for me. I guess maybe not. And then over time, I started to get a little bit more trust, started getting to know my coaches a little bit better. So for me, it was, uh, it took a little bit of time, but, you know, three, three, three weeks to a month really was kind of like where I was like, okay, I'm starting to enjoy this. What is something they point out in your swing or your mechanics that you weren't thinking they were ever going to like, hey, Taylor, this is actually the reason why you're not doing as well. You need to change this. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, just kind of like uh, one, just, you know, moving faster. Uh, you know, I I tested as somebody who should move kind of like a certain way. And, uh, you know, there was a lot to unlock with that. Uh, and so, you know, for me, you know, kind of like hard fall contact, really, and some other things have gone, you know, trended up uh, in the ne- in the past few seasons. And uh, really just kind of like certain swing path things uh, that I was just like, oh, wow, I'm swinging this way where I'm not giving myself enough room to, you know, uh, you know, maximize my potential on certain, uh, you know, certain pitches, certain locations. So that was that was kind of like the biggest thing. When they say move faster, what what part of you is moving faster? Because I feel like when people tell people to swing faster and, and, and coaches always tell you, well, if you're going up there and facing velocity, don't swing harder because then your swing's going to get long and you're going to miss it. So what is moving faster? 
Uh, efficient. It, I wouldn't. I don't even really think uh, faster. Really, I, I kind of misworded that, but more efficient. Uh, mm. You know. So with that, if you move more efficiently, you're gonna, you know, obviously gonna move faster. So uh, there were a lot of things. So like uh, for me personally, uh, certain ways that I were really getting, uh, you know, kind of like my hips through the ball and stuff like that. You know, I was kind of cutting myself off with uh, certain things that I did where I might uh, hike my leg up or um, get out of my base uh, a little too fast. So like small things like that. And then now I'm able to, you know, as far as like growing and uh, trending up, you know, able to move my, you know, body more efficiently. So uh, those are kind of like a few things that uh, we, you know, kind of worked on. Were you the first Mariner to go to driveline? Cause I know they talked a lot about JP Crawford going there last winter. Were you there with him or had you started a little bit before him? I was um yeah I want to say I was yeah I think so uh but yeah when I saw um he was there obviously we hit together and stuff like that so you know obviously you know being with him um and few few other times like it's always good to be around those guys and um yeah I think I may have been the first one yeah first off season to second off season working at driveline what's the biggest difference between the two for you uh biggest difference right now Honestly, I, I confidence wise, uh, feel a lot better. Uh, and then, uh, feel like going into this off season, I have a better kind of a understanding of what I want to achieve and, uh, communication, uh, with those guys has just trended, uh, trended upwards. Uh, so those are kind of like the biggest things, um, that I'm really, really excited about for this off season. And then, obviously, moving uh, moving forward. I guess, Tito, do you have any more driveline questions you wanted to get through with Taylor? Okay, so that's that's all really interesting. And, and we're always super interested to hear about all the driveline stuff. Because, again, it's, it's foreign to people like us that don't get to see it on a regular basis. But to hear kind of the things they implement and the things that they teach you guys, Taylor, it's, it's super unique. And it sounds like it's helped you a lot. So getting into a little bit more of your journey to the big leagues, Taylor. Honestly, we could go back as far as high school, and there's a bunch of things we could start with asking you in terms of your high school career. Honestly, let's start with this. Did you ever consider playing football over baseball? Because, I mean, dude, you scored 38 touchdowns your senior year. That's that's not normal. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I think it was my junior – after my junior year, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go play baseball. But um, with football – I love playing football, but Friday nights were my favorite nights. Uh, I I didn't really care to go to practice, and that's where I was like, I can practice baseball and be fine, but when it came to football, not not so much because I don't know. Football was just I didn't like practice. I never I never really liked it. I didn't see any point in hitting during the week. Uh, never made sense to me, but. I did it, so I guess it uh, it helped out a lot. There, like thirty eight touch, like you're nearing Derrick Henry territory there. I mean, have you seen Derrick Henry's high school stuff? I mean, it sounds like you were pretty close. I don't know how close, but I know I was uh, close to a few other guys. But yeah, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty close. I, <laughs> I guess I look back on it. it was a good hobby. I liked it. So okay, so who is Georgia's? Obviously, a very high, football rich state who are the best players you got to play against oh wow so oh wow um, 
don't know if I played against them. But I know, uh, there are a few, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. There are a few guys that went to, uh, I know Tyler Simmons, uh, he was there. Uh, he played at UGA. Uh, I got a whole bunch of my best, like best friends. They're like um, college athletes and stuff like that. But uh, playing against some guys, are probably going to see this. They're going to be really upset because I don't remember some of the guys that I played against, <laughs> and uh, I kind I kind of feel bad bad about it too. So um, I don't want to lie to you guys. I have no idea. <laughs> did you get to did you get to play against like Trevor Lawrence or is that a different league? He was in a different league. So no, oh, he was okay. in a different classification. But okay. uh, I did I actually found out I think I was on his uh actually yeah, name drop for uh I think the when I was in high school in my senior year, I think uh I think Justin Fields was in our like our county and I won uh county player of the year or something like that. And so I, I think I beat him and uh, Trevor Lawrence and a few other guys. I thought that was pretty cool. So I can look at that and be like, man, that was dope. Yeah. I'll say that's pretty cool. That's something you put up on your mantle. And you, yeah. you we go 10 years down the line. It's like, hey, you see that guy on TV? Yeah. <laughs> I beat him out. <laughs> see, all it takes is is sitting to think about it for a little bit. It's like, who did I play? Who did I play? Oh, yeah, we beat Justin Fields. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was like, Ro- did Roquan Smith play high school football in Georgia? Like, is he a, is he a Georgia guy or is he from Florida? I, I don't know. He, he was like a good bulldog, so you'd have to assume yeah. there's a pretty decent chance he's from Georgia. Yeah, there's some pretty, guys. There's some pretty good guys. Here. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so let me flip the question around now. Best high school baseball player you played against? Ooh. Playing it? Uh, How about, like, high school baseball player in Atlanta, I should say. Atlanta area. Oh, that's a big question. I would say... Oh, man. Uh, I don't want to say against, because I really... Like I said, I can't really remember who I played against. I know, like... uh, I mean... Oh, it'll, yeah, it'll be my dog, Will Benson. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll be Will Benson with the uh, uh, Cincinnati Reds. We, he hit, I think he hit a walk-off uh, kind of like run rule against us going into my uh, going into our spring break. And it, I, it had to have gone about 450 feet plus. And so I remember seeing that, and I was just like, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so I, th- I would say Will. Will, yeah, Will. Because he was built like, I mean, six five, but he was just built like a man among amongst boys in high school. So, uh, and then he would go out in springtime or wintertime and then drop thirty or forty in a basketball game. So he would probably be one of the best. Speaking of you playing in high school and the football baseball crossover, we heard a story down the grapevine of you when you were playing at a perfect game tournament. I would imagine. We're rooming with A.J. Brown. Yes, that A.J. Brown, the, the wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think your words were something along the line of, hey, I'm pretty nice at football. And then A.J. <laughs> pulls out his phone and is like, hey, here's my highlights. And you're looking and you're like, oh, well, that might that might, that <laughs> that's pretty good. Something along those lines. Did I get all that right? Yeah, pretty pretty much. I, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I play, I, play, I play football too, man. You know, I, I dabble in a little bit. He was like, yeah, I'm going to – I think at that time he was thinking about either Ole Miss or uh, Mississippi State. 
because I think he's from Starkville. And uh, he said that, and I was like, I was like, for football? He was like, yeah, man. I was like, I was like let, me, let me go ahead and look up this guy right quick. I, I don't know anything. You know, let, me, let me see who he is. And I saw his highlights, and I said, oh, yeah, this, uh, this guy's pretty pretty good. And then uh, his freshman year, I think he was playing against, I don't know, he was playing against some team or something like that. And I just saw him, like, dust past, like, a DB or something like that. And I was like, yeah, he didn't lie to me. And then, obviously, a little bit further, he was a All-American in football and baseball. So I was like, yeah, this guy's probably a little bit better than me at football. So, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. That was, I always tell people that's my claim to fame right there. <laughs> I don't really remember him that much as a baseball player. Like, what was he like? I forget what position he played. Uh, he was outfield. I think, uh, I think either I was in left field and he was in center. But uh, yeah, he was an outfielder and he was he was cold. I mean, like fast hands, uh, you know, just as you know, lightning bolt on the base pass. Like he did it all. Uh, I don't really want to give too much of a comp, but I don't want to say Bo Jackson, but like the way he was kind of built and the way he did stuff, it was like it was Bo Jackson esque, and that's a hope that's a little. I hope I'm not giving him too much credit, but it was pretty impressive. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, if I'm a catcher in the state of Georgia, or actually no, so he was from Mississippi or wh- wherever you guys are playing in the the international tournament, and I, I'm I'm waiting for a throw in from the outfield, and AJ Brown's coming down the third base line. Uh, I'll pass. Yeah, yeah I'm not getting in front of that. <laughs> okay, maybe the hardest hitting question I'll ask you in this whole interview, Taylor. Did AJ Brown really make the right decision leaving baseball for football? Because I'd say it's I'd say it's fairly questionable, obviously. Yeah, yeah, he made he made the best decision. <laughs> uh, yeah, he. Um, I don't know how I don't know what his last contract was, but yeah, he's doing he's doing pretty well for himself over there in Philadelphia. So uh, I think I got me an AJ Brown jersey too. So yeah, he's he's doing pretty good. Hopefully, the sarcasm got through there. I hope because I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think AJ's doing okay. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, what a. What a loaded group of guys you played with in high school. I mean, seriously, that's... Oh, here's another Atlanta question for you while we're on the topic of Atlanta. I know you're a big hip-hop guy. Atlanta's the hip-hop capital of the whole world. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Atlanta rapper or, or like, a top three favorite Atlanta hip-hop artists? Yeah, like, I kind of got away from, like, a lot of, like, hip-hop. But, like, I would say, for me, I would say, like, I really like Zaytoven. I mean, I've always liked his beats. Um, him as a producer, like, I've always liked it. Um, big fan of him. Um, dang, let me think. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Lil Yachty has always been kind of been my favorite rapper for the most part. <laughs> That's uh, a classic one. Yeah, I mean, like, I love Well, well we grew up with him, Taylor. Like, yeah. that was, like, our, 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 I would say, peak years <laughs> of... Of, yeah. of that, like we graduated high school the same year. I mean, Lil Yachty was on top of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he came out with uh, Teenage Emotions. Uh, I listened to that kind of like on my way to uh, Arizona to sign my contract. So, I mean, like, that, yeah, yeah was, I don't really have great hip hop taste. I just listen to a lot of rappers. Um, but I actually, uh, this is a big thing. He's going to love that I said this. Uh, Victor Scott, uh, he raps. And so he, I don't know if. I don't think he wants me to give his name out, but his name is Argo uh, on uh, on Apple Music, and like I think he's really good. 
Like, so he's another Atlanta uh, baseball guy, but he raps as well. So, I mean, he's really good. So that's my, those are really my top three. Oh, and Gunna. Sorry. I don't know why I didn't say Gunna. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gunna and Lecrae. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gunna and Lecrae. So, yeah. Those are kind of like all my favorites. What is like the hierarchy? To, if you were to say like a consensus among the Atlanta metro area of what the, who are the favorite rappers are? Like, who like who is the number one there? Oh wait! Oh God, that's a you're gonna set me up for this. Um, I mean, Outkast, obviously. You know, Andre 3000, Big Boy. Um, I know back in the day when I was like coming up, you know, rich, uh, rich gang, uh, rich kids. Like a lot of people don't really remember rich kids. You know, I love like going back to their shop boys. Um, uh, you know, like I got a lot of them. Uh, obviously you got uh, Ti, Gucci, uh, Thug, Gunna, Baby, um, Migos, Migos. Like you just got so many guys like out there, and like I'm thinking from kind of like now. There's a lot more, obviously, in the past, but I mean, you, those are kind of like the consensus where like, all right, this guy's go two chains. Um, uh, yeah, you, all those guys. Goat, so I like I like all. Okay, you mentioned going to Arizona to sign your contract. If we were going to segue just a little bit, you were a first round pick out of high school, mm-hmm. but was there ever any thought to, oh, I might go and play college baseball instead, despite where your draft status kind of stood? Did, did you re- did you give it much thought at any point to, oh, oh, oh. I'll I'll take the college route? Yeah, I thought if. Uh... If certain things, like, I would say, like, financially uh, didn't work out, I was fine with going to Georgia Tech and, you know, going three, four years there. Like, I was perfectly fine with that. Um, you know, I was going to be, like I said, I was going to be at Georgia Tech. Um, I would have been perfectly fine because uh, I would have been close to home, too. So, like, it wouldn't have been too bad or anything like that. I want to, Taylor, bring you up to 2021 and your first full season in the big leagues. And I'm going to credit Lyle for remembering this moment a little bit better than I did, but I'm going to ask the question for him anyways. So June 26th, 2021, you guys are playing in the south side of Chicago. It's a doubleheader. Game one, you had your first two home run game of your big league career, and you came up in the ninth inning against Liam Hendricks, and you hit this enormous go-ahead solo home run and you let off just this enormous bat flip. It just must, it must have been an unbelievable feeling to you. Yeah. But to tie it back to everything we've talked about in this podcast for over a year of the fact that the the guy in the opposing dugout, Tony LaRussa, has been pretty adamant in his career about no bat flips and and respect and all that. And you come up with a big moment and you as a as well documented as being a uh, more outgoing, uh, expressive player to have a moment like that. I mean, how did that feel? And did you understand what was in the opposing dugout potentially watching you doing that? No, not at all. Like, I, this might sound bad to say, but, like, I really don't know anybody in baseball. Like, I know people, obviously, but, like, if you were telling me about certain, like, somebody or something like that, I'd be like, oh, cool, he puts on pants the same way I do each morning, like, I don't really put, like, too much, like, thought into, like, so much stuff. And, like, I didn't realize it. But here's the thing. When it happened, I was, like, hype. I was, like, let's go. I was happy. And then we had a doubleheader. What people really don't know is that we had a doubleheader the next 
game, like the next day. Well, that day. So we had to play again. And I got hit. <laughs> so, like, I got, like, they got the get back. So, like, I wasn't, like, I have to say I wasn't too happy about it because I was, like, I, I thought it was a cool moment. Like, I didn't try and show up anybody. Like, I have the ultimate respect for Liam Hendricks. Like, I wasn't really thinking much about it. And then we won the game. So, like, I was happy. But, yeah, I, I got hit, and I wasn't too happy. But nobody really was, like, like upset. So I was like, oh, I don't want to overreact. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> okay, so you you probably had a lot of bat flips in your career. Is that one number one? Do you have another one in another moment that you think is a little bit better? I got, oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I think that may have been the best one. Yeah, I think that may have been the best one. So let me ask you this. How do you even think of that bat flip where you basically pinwheel the bat, you catch the barrel with one hand, and then wrist flick it toward the dugout? Because I've never seen that. I, I absolutely loved it when you did it. I just yeah. thought to myself, that's the first time I've ever seen something like that. So how do you even come up with that, I guess? So it was actually a mistake because, like, I, I don't know about anybody else in baseball, but, like, I practice my bat flips. I do a lot of visualizations and stuff like that. Like, I practice it. Like, sometimes it's just the heat of the moment or sometimes it's just, like, oh, like, I don't want to do something. I want to do it, like, kind of subtly. So, like, I don't want to do it where it's like, oh, I planned this. It's like, okay, this just how my back foot was and I just kind of tossed the bat but um I was actually trying to just like flip it but I had pine tar on my hand and so it stuck to my hand so I flipped it and it was like oh shoot I gotta catch this because I'm not about to get hit in the foot with this so I caught it and I was like I can do something cool with this and I just tossed it I was like oh that's gonna be so sick so that's kind of like what I thought right at that moment is that how you've always played the game? Just kind of like freeing and, and expressive. Absolutely. Has that, has that? It's always been you. Yeah, I I try to play the game. It's kind of funny because like the way I play it is, I don't, I don't think that there's cameras on me at all times. Like I just kind of play it as if like I'm just out here. I'm I'm just uh, I'm just kind of playing uh just by myself for the most part and just kind of doing my job. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I just play it. Well, I know you've talked about on MLB Network, and I guess that was parlayed with a Players' Tribune article you wrote a while back. You talked about a lot of people used to tell you they felt like baseball is boring. So I guess is is being true to yourself and, like you said, practicing your bat flips and playing with Flash, is that you essentially doing your small part to help grow the game? I don't think it's uh, so much of me trying to grow. I think for me, it's more of just kind of being myself. And then like in return, like say if a, say if a player is like, you know, a little bit more expressive or he may be a little bit more conservative. It's okay to do that because um, there's a lot of players that I know that are very, uh, just kind of like reserved. There's a lot of players that I know that are very expressive. You know, like I try to do it. Change the pool table. Uh, I try to just be like kind of as like me as possible um, each and every time I go out there. So like there's some things like people are like, oh, this dude might be a little weird, but I I do it just because I like I feel I feel comfortable in my skin to do certain things that I enjoy and help me to go out there and perform the best I can. 
I'll say part of that for you, Taylor, too, is off the field as well. I know you, you like to have fun on the field, but off the field, I mean, you're a funny guy, you're an expressive guy, and there, there's a story about when you were traded to the Mariners and you played a joke on Jerry Depoto. You pretended like you had no idea what he was talking about when he when he was introducing uh, himself or however much you want to shed on that conversation. Like, what? how was that joke? How, how did you play it out? Yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Uh, you know, I I think uh, I've kind of matured a little bit more. I, I don't think I'll do that um, <laughs> again. Uh, and that just kind of goes back to what I said, where I I don't really put I I I don't I know people in baseball, obviously, but like I feel like everybody's kind of like on this. Uh, you know, we, we all do the same thing. You know, we're all humans at the end of the day. So like, I try to like keep everything as loose as possible. So I just got traded and. Uh, I get a call from, obviously, A.J. Preller. He tells me about it. And then the next call I think I got was uh, from Jerry. And he was like, hey, Taylor Trammell. He was like, this is Jerry Depoto. Uh, I just want to, you know, welcome to the Mariners or anything like that. And I said, Sorry, excuse me? And he was like, oh, nobody told you? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was just messing with you, dude. Like, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> he, he thought it was funny. So, for me, it was just like, oh, this is, you know, obviously a funny interaction. Uh, just to let them know, like, it's loose. I'm not as serious as people. I don't know if anybody thinks I'm serious. Uh, but it was a lighthearted uh, joke, and it was it was pretty cool. Okay, so I guess I'm just so fascinated by how you got into the headspace of let's do this in terms of a prank. Because I have to imagine getting <laughs> traded and getting life-changing news like that. Like, that's got to take you in a bunch of different places in terms of where your mind's at. You're thinking of new place to live, new team, new teammates. But for you, you get into the headspace of, you know what? It's like when Seattle calls, I'm going to mess with them. Like, like, so how did you think about that that quickly? It was it was really in the spur of the moment. But then it was also like, this is my, at that time, it was the second time I had been traded in two years. So I was just like, okay, that's already one thing on itself. And then it was COVID. So I was like, that's another one on top of itself. So I was just like, might as well have some fun with it, I guess. So uh, it was pretty cool. But uh, I think it was at the, when I got the phone call, I was just kind of listening. And then I was like, oh, I can say this. This would be kind of funny. And so that's kind of how it went. And how well, did Jerry take the joke? Oh, he thought it was hilarious. I think, I, I hope he thought it was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> I- <laughs> I, I heard a little snippet of Jerry telling the story either on a podcast or on the radio, and he sounded like he thought it was pretty funny. So for whatever yeah. that's worth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Taylor, you have a foundation, the, the Tram Foundation. You've been doing a, a lot of work with that. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what you do and what your goal is and where they can find it? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the Tram Foundation, uh, we're on social media now on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are currently working more on uh, building our foundation. Uh, it was it's pretty cool. We started our foundation uh, this year around December 9th. That was the launch, and uh, it was a wonderful event. Uh, we had it in Atlanta, and then uh, we also raised uh, toys for uh, Children Healthcare of Atlanta. And so it was honestly it was a it was a wonderful event uh, being able to go into uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta and getting to distribute all the toys. Uh, we got to hang out for about I think four or five hours really. Uh, with the kids uh, to be around them, uh, it was a it was a blast, um, and just to kind of see their faces uh, for us at least, and being able to share the pictures and uh, talking to the people who donated, 
they loved that uh, the the toys that they got, um, you know, brought joy to all the kids uh, that were there. And, uh, you know, you just see it and you're just like, this is just such an amazing event. And uh, like I said, whenever you see a smile on kids' faces, uh, it's just one of the best feelings ever. That's really awesome. Is that the most rewarding thing you've done all offseason? I'd have to assume yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your goals with it moving forward as you guys continue to progress with it? Yes, we want to uh, – obviously, we want to build it up. Uh, we want – for me, honestly, just obviously raising enough uh, – a lot of money for uh, obviously the kids in our community. Uh, and, you know, for me at least, uh, just building up – like I said, this is a community thing with uh, – we're children's base, so uh, building up the youth in our community. So obviously, like, holding camps. Uh, being able to, uh, you know, hold on uh, certain showcases, uh, just being able to sponsor kids uh, because baseball is a, uh, you know, it's a pretty expensive sport. So being able to sponsor those kids uh, throughout that time is, uh, you know, for me, that's kind of like where I want to build it, uh, build it to. And then uh, some of my other friends, they have their, uh, their foundations as well. We're looking to obviously, uh, probably partner with them and uh, do, you know, pretty good amount of things with those guys. Which social media platforms are you guys on? We're on Instagram and Twitter. Well, X. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. guys, go find it. Yes. Yeah. For anybody listening, go check it out. It's the Tram Foundation. I, I'm, I, it would mean a lot to us if you guys did it, and I know it would mean a lot to Taylor too, so go check it out. Okay, Taylor, we usually wrap up with five pretty fun questions with a bunch of the players before we totally finish the interview. So we've got five for you to wrap this up, and they're just ways to let the fans get to know you a little bit better. The first one we've got for you is your go-to pregame and postgame meal is what? Oh, I love a good steak. So uh, anytime – oh, no, fried rice. Uh, Yeah, fried rice. Fried rice. Pregame? Is that that not a little heavy? A little bit. A little bit of it is not too bad. Okay. All right. And, no, I, I, then, hey, I, I respect I love both those things. So love, works love out. Steak and fried rice, yes. And then what do you like to have after the game? Mashed potatoes and a nice filet. Yeah, mashed mm-hmm. potatoes and a nice filet. Or All chicken. Right. Chicken or filet, but mashed potatoes for sure. So I'm picking up that you're a pretty big steak guy. Love steak. Love steak. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> love it. Next question, Taylor, is your top three favorite TV shows ever? Uh, the 100, um, I don't know, I have no idea, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm to be Wait, honest, Taylor, like, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, I love the 100 when I watch it. I mm-hmm. never expected somebody else on this podcast to say it was one of their top three shows ever. So I'm glad you did. That's, <laughs> it's awesome. I love the 100. Uh, yeah, I love the 100. Uh, we can, oh, uh, yeah, let's do 100, uh, Game of Thrones, and, um, I I don't know the last one. I would say The Office, but I don't really want to say The Office. <laughs> too too cliche. Yeah, because it's not my favorite, but it's a good one. So, yeah. oh. oh, I was just gonna wait a second. Okay, there we go. Um, you know what? We can all relate on on Game of Thrones. All three of us have seen that. I think it's a consensus. We all love it. It sounds like I need to watch the 100. I feel like I've been a lot, the odd man out a lot of times on these TV shows when people talk about them. So I got to catch up. But anyway, 
Third question for you, the best and worst baseball road trip you've ever made. This can include the minor leagues, by the way. Oh, worst one, probably uh, we went from Billings, Montana to Grand Junction, uh, Colorado. I think it had to have been, I think it was like, was it 13 hours or 20 hours? I don't know how long it was, but I know that my back was so messed up on that trip. I couldn't, I, it was, we got off and I couldn't really stand up and it was, it had to have been the one of the worst. So yeah, that one. Okay. And how about the best road trip you've made? Ooh, Houston, Houston. We, mm-hmm. I, I think Houston has one of the best hotels that we've stayed at. It's the post Oak. It'd be Houston easily. Okay, I got a quick I got to quickly follow up to that because you mentioned the hotels really nice. I think we've asked a couple other guys this too. Like are the hotels the way you dream about them as a kid? Like does it live up to that as a big league ball player? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think about the uh I think about like Mike and when Calvin Cambridge was ordering room service and he was uh-huh. like, "Oh, you get all this for free?" And he was like, "For free." He was like, "For free?" He was like, "For free." And so like <laughs> I think about that all the time. Obviously, it's not for free. Like, it's not. But I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my, uh, you know, that's kind of like where I'm just like, I love, like, getting room service and, like, good room service is, I never thought I could be that spoiled, but it's something that I never knew that I really wanted, but I do. Okay, Taylor, your favorite all-time baseball player. Can I give two? Sure. Yeah. All right, it'd probably be, uh, yeah, it'd probably be Dexter Fowler and Curtis Granderson. I love those are the, those are really the guys that made me like, made me kind of really get into baseball. And I don't even know if they know it, but like those two guys are really the guys that really made me feel like, hey, like you can do this. So I thought that was uh, those those two guys really made me want to play the game. All right, I love I like that. that. Yeah. yeah. And last one for you, if you weren't playing baseball, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd probably be an engineer like my brother. Uh, that's kind of like, yeah, probably uh, probably mechanical or petroleum. I was going to tech, I was going to Georgia Tech to become an engineer, but everybody said it, it, it was going to be a grind, but I was, I, I was thinking about doing it, uh, so I'd probably be doing that. So moral of this podcast, Taylor Trammell, way smarter than the two of us, because I'll tell you what, we did not go to Arizona State to major in engineering. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, that's, that's really cool, though. Taylor, you're the man. This has been awesome getting to sit down and talk with you for a little bit. We really appreciate it, and we certainly hope we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Um, I, I, like I said, guys, I really enjoy you guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, thank you guys for reaching out, man. This is uh, this is pretty cool. And uh, I, I don't know, are you guys going to be out in spring training? Yeah, yeah, yes, we, sir, we're we should be it. out there about the uh, like the first week of March or so. So yeah, we'll have to catch up then. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So let me know. Uh, like I said, I'd love to come on again. You guys keep it uh, free and easy out here. I, I really enjoy that. Really appreciate Taylor Trammell taking some time to join us. Before we wrap up the show, a quick word from BetterHelp. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless, if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or you're just a human who's living in this world who's going through a hard time, 
Therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in our description. It's betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash marine layer pod. Clicking the link helps support this podcast, but also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. Well, Taylor Trammell is certainly a joy. Just sitting there, getting to talk to him, letting him go on about everything we teed him up for. He's he's so much fun. I think everybody's known that about him since he got traded over here. But it's just very cool that now we've gotten to experience it firsthand and see that it's all it's all very true. He is real. He's genuine. And he is truthfully very, very funny. Imagine the kind of stones you need when the president of baseball operations that just traded for you, you decide to prank him. First time meeting him, you're like, I'm going to I'm going to mess with this guy. And he, and he did. And luckily, Jerry's got a personality in himself and he's not going to not going to get all uptight about it and, and hold it over Taylor's head, which I know there are some people in Major League Baseball that would do that when if some 20, 21-year-old stood you up like that when you traded for him, but Jerry played it off okay, and I was like, give give credit to Taylor. I mean, he takes that into his, his baseball playing and really just not caring uh, about what he does on the field. He's just going out there to play and have fun, and I think it shows. Yeah. In the sense of he is very true to himself. I, I think yeah. that's the, the best way to put it. He's very true to himself. He doesn't shy away from, yeah, being who he is and having fun. And you heard him. He practices bat flips. Like, that's that's so cool. It just shows you the difference of of all these different players. Some guys just don't really think about it. Some guys are very in the moment. Taylor's like, oh, no, I want to practice it. And I think we respect that and appreciate that a bunch. So Taylor was awesome. We love getting to talk to him. And hopefully we'll get to catch up with him again in spring training. And 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 we should add, we're rooting for obviously nothing but the best for him. We know he's got more than got the tools to figure it out. Hopefully this is the year that things really start to click for him. You know what? With all the stuff he's been doing at Driveline, gets into spring training healthy. Who says this can't be his year? It would be awesome if it was, and we're certainly rooting for it. Okay. That'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. If you want to listen to the full-form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. Make sure to download, leave us a five-star review, follow the show, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where a full video podcast is, and then follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.